Hi there, this is Lisa Wilcox listening to Rocktober on Rock Video Rental. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Rock Video Rental. And it is the best time of year, at least in my mind. And we're talking about Rocktober. It's going to be our fourth year of doing this. Um, and no, we're not going to talk about the 80s slash movie Rocktober Blood. We're going to be covering the entire Nightmare on Elm Street series. And I thought it was about time we did that because we've already done Friday 13th and Halloween. So it was really the logical next one to cover. <laughs> and I know Caleb has seen none of these. That's correct. <laughs> so I always feel like that's kind of an interesting dynamic that we have with these kind of movies where I've seen them countless times and you've never seen them. Mm -hmm. So I think honestly, a good thing to do. Yeah, because we did the other series. I think the only one that I watched um other than the ones we watched uh for this show maybe ahead of time was jason x i think that was like the only one that i watched <laughs> which is extremely terrible for perspective but oh man yeah this this series uh nightmare on elm street is it's got its similarities to friday the 13th and halloween but i don't know they're also different from each other you, you know that like Every single slasher movie pretty much is um owes something to Halloween. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Friday the 13th got to put it in the stratosphere. So uh Nightmare on Elm Street was kind of like brought slasher movies back because they started really falling in the mid 80s where it's like, okay, all these Halloween and Friday the 13th ripoffs are starting to get old and Nightmare on Elm Street kind of threw something new on the screen. So, and it blew up after that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Are we just jumping into it? Or do you, are you giving the plot and everything? Cause like, yeah, I might as well cover that now. Um, so we're starting off with Nightmare on Elm Street. It's from 1984. It's directed by Wes Craven. And the plot is teenager Nancy Thompson must uncover the dark truth concealed by her parents after she and her friends become targets of a spirit of a serial killer with a bladed glove in their dreams, in which if they die, it kills them in real life. Yeah, so what I was going to say before letting you to the um, the plot and everything is, uh, of course, not being well-versed in the horror genre, but I think we've had the conversation before, just like such a unique and really original idea um, for somebody that's, it, it's a, it's a horror villain, but they kill you in your dream. Like yeah. that's like a layer on top of a layer of fear. <laughs> yeah. It really brings a different, dynamic to the movie mm -hmm. and what works so well about halloween it is that the killer 
comes to an everyday normal safe neighborhood and starts taking people out one by one and that's terrifying within itself and then friday the 13th you know cranked it up a notch because it's like oh you're going to summer camp and um yeah like you're away from a whole bunch of people and then like a crazy person starts killing a bunch of people and then uh nightmare on elm street's even higher than that because it's like okay it's like now if you go to sleep you're gonna die and everybody <laughs> has to sleep <laughs> yeah you know and that's what i always really enjoyed about these movies and found i guess more scary because there was never a part in my life as a even as a kid where i found friday 13th scary okay where nightmare on elm street the first time i saw that like it scared me as a kid did you ever go to summer camp no oh we'll see Jeez. No. <laughs> maybe that's why <laughs> and yeah. i have slept before <laughs> <laughs> even though my youngest daughter thinks i shouldn't but yeah. um no yeah, yeah this... th- these movies always had especially the first one i mean you'll see as we get farther into it that they kind of lose that edge but yeah, I feel like um, I could have watched quite a few of these movies uh, for Halloween and Friday the, Friday the 13th when I was, you know, before I watched them when I was younger uh, and things like that. But this one easily, if I'd watched it too early, could have could have haunted me. Dude, I remember the first time seeing part of Nightmare on Elm Street. I might have been like five years old. Gosh, <laughs> I was at like this friend of my parents house they were like watching my brother and i while my parents went off and did something and i remember their daughter being like how they either had nightmare on elm street on vhs or they rented it and they're like oh like you have to see this and like they showed the part towards the end where freddy's on fire i remember seeing that part oh man like at a really young age and like i remember that having them turn it off so like I wasn't scared at the moment, but I thought I was gonna get scared, so I had him turn it off. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, I guess before we get too far, I can go with the cast here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Heather Langenkamp as Nancy, Johnny Depp in one of his first movies as Glenn, uh, Robert England as Freddy Krueger, John Saxon as Lieutenant Thompson, Ronnie Blakely as Marge Thompson, Amanda Weiss as Tina, and. I don't know how to say this guy's first name. I think it's Zoo Garcia as Rod. Rod. Um, yeah, I've seen this movie countless times. I I don't even know how to ballpark it. You know, we always joke when we're telling people like, oh, I've seen that movie thousands of times or a million times or something like that. And in all honesty, have we ever seen any movie thousands of times? No, I mean, I can't. I don't. I would maybe say I've seen a movie at most like 50 times, but I don't think I've cracked three digits. Yeah. You and I have talked, had a conversation before on an episode where we talked about movies that we've seen more, the most in our life. Mm-hmm. And this was on my list. Um, it doesn't come close to how many times I've seen the Ninja Turtles movies, but um, probably one of my most watched horror movies for sure. This in the original Halloween. Uh, um, yeah. let's just dive in like we normally do I mean everybody kind of knows the story behind this it's one of the most popular movies 
even of any genre. Um, but things are good. Um, this is one of those movies where like, I think there's so many things that are done so well that they borderline are mostly great. I feel like it's got high highs and lower lows. And there's really not a lot for the quote unquote good. But I had Amanda Weiss as Tina. I thought was really good. Mm-hmm. I thought she was better than Heather Langenkamp in this movie. Okay, yeah, thank you, dude. I yeah. I have that down because I was gonna say I almost would have rather seen Tina be the main girl than Nancy. What this is reminiscent of for me is um, Psycho. Okay, where in Psycho you get Janet Lee and like, okay, Janet Lee is gonna be my main character. Mm-hmm. This is who we're following because we start off following Amanda Weiss's Tina. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this is the main girl here. And then she dies, like, what, 15, 20 minutes into the movie? Mm-hmm. They did and not. All of a sudden, we're, now we're following Nancy. Yeah, they did not hold back. That was one thing I had down where, like, they just went straight. And I know a lot of horror movies start off with, like, some kind of, like, you know, scary s thing to get. But, dude, they may have started off with, like, the biggest kill scene in the first. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it's genuinely like disturbing mm-hmm. because of how much she screams and like the sheer like terror in her face. Yeah, which well, is th- getting dragged around on the ceiling. Yeah, the thing too, um, that was part of the reason why, um, I just never really got around to this, and I've I've kind of said it before. the The one thing that I've never personally had interest in, I think I've seen like one or two movies, is like the concept of like possession. Yeah. Um. And I know this wasn't exactly it, but a younger me would not have been able to, or really made the difference there and everything. But the whole thing about her like flying around the room and being like on the ceiling and everything like that was like, I mean, you're talking about exorcist esque uh content there. Yeah. So, and the way they did that special effect is really kind of cool so it that room is set like on a big wheel basically and they could move that room around like rotate it okay. so when she goes up on a ceiling she's actually you know the, the ceiling's on the floor gotcha. and it's just like the way it's shot that they're able to like flip it around i don't that Actually, that entire set was used in the movie um, The Stuff, which is another horror movie mm-hmm. about this um, white, slimy ooze stuff that like kills people, <laughs> <laughs> which it's actually a pretty fun movie. But um, yeah, it was used in that one as well. But this movie is really low budget. It was made for less than $2 million. Mm-hmm. So um, the fact that they were able to do something that effective and like something like that was never seen before you know other than like we talk about you talked about the exorcist and things like that but but yeah well that was the thing too that uh it was really cool that you shared that because i was wondering how they did that because i was looking at it i was just like dude i don't see any wires or anything so i don't know what they did but they did a pretty darn good job doing it yeah i'll say a great companion piece for this movie uh, they did a one of the movies that made us based on this. 
on mm-hmm. Netflix. And then there's also a super long documentary. It's like probably five hours long. I talked about the uh, Crystal Lake Memories, the Friday 13th one. They also have one for Nightmare on Elm Street. It's called Never Sleep Again. Okay. And it's got like interviews with Wes Craven and like all the actors throughout the series. And they explain how they did like some of the stuff they did. Mm. And they have like a picture from the outside of this set that spins around and everything. And like how they're shooting it. That's it's pretty cool. Um, Rock. Yeah, I felt like, you know, going back at Amanda Weiss is her. I, I Like you said, I always feel like she should have been the final girl, like the main character. But she was so good as Tina, and then like in that death scene was so effective that I don't feel like Heather Langenkamp could have brought that kind of um performance to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it well, <laughs> just some kind of funny things uh with that and everything. It because you there's two ways of looking at it. it's either like okay, you have that big splash entrance where it's like oh this crazy dramatic kill scene with great acting and all that or uh and then you have the story dragged out by kind of a more plain jane actress or you flip it and you have the more dynamic actress for the entirety of the movie but then you don't start the movie off with such a big splash yeah so not not as big of a splash as that johnny depp had in this movie (laughs) a literal splash yeah a geyser but uh speaking of johnny depp he's the other thing i had that i thought was good um it was kind of believable like you could kind of see it that he was gonna end up being something just the way he was in this movie because i think this is his first feature movie yeah if it's not it's it's maybe a second movie but is the the role of Glenn, um, Nancy's boyfriend. Uh, I thought he was pretty good. He had a good sense of humor and I don't know, just believable as like the boy next door. Like nice guy who's also like <laughs> as a kid I never really noticed this, but as an adult I noticed this. How um you know, Nancy in typical fr- final girl fashion is kind of like you said plain jane and um kind of straight laced Mm -hmm. and you know glenn is her boyfriend of course like wants to do it with her and like she denies him and then they show them like laying in bed and she's laying in bed with the scene where um freddie pushes into the wall knocks a crucifix off the wall Mm -hmm. and then they like show glenn and he's just like laying there wide awake <laughs> like that cracks me up because they don't even like sleep in the same bed even though they sleep over at tina's house yeah and that's before the whole scene of tina dying um but well, it cracks me up too because you can hear tina and rod like loudly having sex <laughs> and they show glad he's just sitting like laying there so pissed off <laughs> which i i didn't notice until probably like like a year or so ago when I watched this. Then I kind of piece that together. I'm like, oh, that's kind of a funny, subtle thing. Mm-hmm. But, and I thought the guy who played Rod did a pretty decent job, too, for the role he was given. 
but at least like they gave him like a little bit of background and a little bit of personality before they kill him off, which was kind of one of the downfalls of the Friday Thirteenth series, where it's just like here's a bunch of characters that are gonna die, <laughs> yeah. especially when you get to like Friday Thirteenth Part Five, where it's like here's a new character, he's dead. <laughs> Here's a new well, character, and she's gone. <laughs> I was, um, I actually had it down, and um, I, I had it as uh, actually Rod's character being kind of uh, interesting because I feel felt like the Rod character was really weird because he seemed kind of, I don't know, would you call it aggressive? Yeah, Tina. Yeah, he's. I get the kind of feeling that he's maybe from like a rough home, and then maybe he's one of those guys that acts out to get attention. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think we all know those kind of guys in school who maybe they don't do very well in school, but it's not because of lack of intelligence. It's because either they get bored or they just want attention. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of the way he is, but yeah, aggressive would be a, a good way to put him. Yeah, I, well, like an alpha male. Not, yeah, <laughs> that might not be the best word, but yeah, it was just it was a, it was a little unusual, uh, and it moved so fast with him and Tina at the beginning. It was kind of like, okay, like are they in a relationship? Are they not? Like, what is going on? Yeah. Where like are they dating or are they just kind of like having a good time? <laughs> it's it's never really fully explored. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we get the the scene where she's talking about her dream and everything, walking to school, and then um, he says something. I was like, oh, I have a I had a heart on this morning that had your name on it, <laughs> and she's like, there's not enough room on your joint for my name. Which is kind of funny, just like a back and forth, but mm-hmm. um, a little a little bit better dialogue than uh, the first Halloween. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I feel like you know we talked about this when we did Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth, where I feel like you know the first Halloween movie is better than any movie in the three series. Like in those three like major slasher series, mm-hmm. that's a better movie than any of those. Where I feel like this one might come the closest of like how it's shot, how it's handled, the plot especially. Like that was what I had for great is that um, the freaking plot for this movie, like you said, that to have that idea of a killer that can kill you in your dreams when you're most mm. vulnerable. Yeah. It, it's just an amazing idea. And it's yeah. that's one of those where if you had that idea, you wouldn't share it with anybody so no one would steal it until you could do something with it. Oh yeah, totally. Like that uh, like uh, everybody at some point in time in their life is like, "Oh, I've got a good idea." But that, I mean, that one you just you just know. You just know that that's a good one. Yeah, um, for sure. And then the whole character of Freddy Krueger, I mean, he's iconic. Um, Robert England did an amazing job playing Freddy, and he keeps, like, 
that quality of performance almost in, like through the whole series. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Robert England's really kind of underrated as an actor because I've seen him in other things too that isn't Nightmare on Elm Street and he's always good and everything. Yeah, well, that's the thing is that um, is kind of interesting about this because it's just like they could have just had a killer in your dreams. Yeah. But they had Freddy Krueger who is much more beyond that and makes it way more interesting. Um, and so it's just kind of inter- uh, crazy because they could have done it without specifically Freddy Krueger and it still would have been probably really good, but uh, because of that concept, you know, in your dreams, but with that character that they developed, then it just takes it to a whole nother level. Yeah. And just, I mean, the looks of them, uh, just, you know, the horribly burnt face instead of wearing a mask. And he's much more expressive by default than Jason or Michael because he's not wearing a mask. Um, the whole idea of, a, you know, you, him using his glove as a weapon with the long knives on it mm-hmm. is just another genius move. And I feel like it was like one thing after another that's kind of fell into place for this character to make it to what it was and how it became... He became like a like a pop culture icon. <laughs> you know, similar in a way of Jason and Michael did too, but like Freddie lends himself to having much more personality and he's like the only one of those three that talks. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's so hard to recast Freddy Krueger. Oh, which yeah. we'll find out later on in the series mm-hmm. <laughs> when they did the remake. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing I had is great too is the whole Tina's death scene. Oh yeah, absolutely. Which well, I can like cover that's, the, I, I don't want to say it's like the pinnacle, but that like, uh, it's kind of like maybe one of the highlights. Yeah, I would say so. I would say that, and then towards the end, where um, Nancy pulls Freddie out of the dream. And has everything set up, like the booby traps and everything. Mm-hmm. That's always a really cool part, I thought. Um, yeah, I guess but... I'll get into the rest of the kills, because there's really not many in this movie. Okay. And then we'll get into, like, scenes and stuff, because I feel like that goes right into it. Um, so we talked about Tina getting slashed and thrown around the room. Um, and then Rod, he gets a, he gets arrested for murdering Tina and obviously it wasn't him we all know that except for the people in the movie don't know what's going on uh he gets hung by Freddy and it's one of those two where it's like you don't see who's doing it and it just kind of happens mm-hmm. and you know the the sheet goes around his neck hangs him in a cell uh and then Johnny Depp's one always made me laugh because it's so absurd where he's like laying in his bed watching TV and he gets pulled down into his bed. And then an, an eruption, like a geyser of blood just shoots out of the bed. <laughs> it like saturates everything. Yeah. And then I've heard other people talk about this too. So in the world of this movie, how does he die? What kills him? Was it in the real world or was it dreaming? Well, yeah, but I mean, like, in the real world, when the cops showed up and there's blood all over the place and there's no body. 
like how do they explain that one away his bed turned into a wood chipper (laughs) disintegration (laughs) i guess spontaneous dental hydroplosion (laughs) (laughs) which is an offense reference i hope somebody picked up on that um and then the last death we got um nancy's mom gets burned to death and then she kind of just falls into the abyss the the dream like abyss from freddy which i always thought was kind of a kind of an interesting effect it's a little dated now but our body just kind of sinks down into the bed but then she came back yeah at the end but was that a dream i mean technically she did die wait did you cover all of them was that the last one yeah that was the last one okay because that that's kind of my biggest thing with this because like i don't really know exactly what was going on and at what point was real and what wasn't so it's just like did some of those really happen or not but then also on top of that the other thing that i had to talk to you about was the whole bathtub thing yeah because it's just like she woke up and was calling for her mom but was still being pulled in yeah so what was up with that because once you once you wake up you're <laughs> awake dude if you're getting confused now by nightmare i'm sure you just wait until the sequels oh right. i remember i watched especially the next one that one like has some blurred lines between the rules of the um that the movie creates <laughs> where it's just like okay you're contradicting yourself kind of thing but i don't know i, t- I kind of took it as like you know nancy falls asleep in a tub freddie pulls her under that's another really iconic shot of the freddie's claw reaching up between her legs mm-hmm. um and then she gets pulled in also that's body double too that's not uh, Heather Langenkamp naked in that one split second. Um, and then, you know, she's screaming for her mom. I, I feel like she starts yelling for her mom and then she wakes up. I don't know, like the classic kind of night terror thing. You know, where you've heard people say, I woke, I woke up screaming. Okay. And that's what I kind of see it as. Like she's yelling for her mom and then she wakes up partway through it. And that's when she like pops up back to the surface. Like fully, okay. That's the way I took it. Yeah, I could kind of see that. I just couldn't remember for sure because I didn't go back and look if like her eyes were open at any point in time. Yeah. So, all right. So the kills in this movie we've talked about. I think pretty much all of them. But to wrap them up quickly, um, we get Tina gets slashed and thrown around her room. Uh, Rod gets hanged in his cell. Uh, Glenn gets pulled into his bed and a geyser of blood erupts. <laughs> and then uh, Marge gets burnt to death and falls into the abyss of her bed. So is that only four? That is only four. Interesting. I yeah, he like... doesn't, Freddy doesn't have as big of a kill count as like Jason and Michael do. Yeah. Is that the Especially least? Especially Jason. I feel like that's the least for any of these movies for Rock, uh, Rocktober marathons. I don't know. The original Halloween only has a couple. Yeah, I feel like it had more than that. Anyways, just a thought that popped into my head. Yeah, it's 
easily one of the lowest for sure. Um, and then I, <laughs> this quote, I don't, every time I hear it, it makes me laugh. Um, it just stands out to me this time. So I got to share it. Um, there's a part where Nancy's talking to her mom and, um, Nancy says something about, oh, it's not, it's not anything serious. And she's like, maybe you don't take murder seriously. <laughs> <laughs> How could you say I don't take murder seriously? <laughs> uh, it's, it's so awkward. I was delivered. Like, like I said, the mom is a, not a good actress. <laughs> it's very rough in this movie i feel like and especially it's it's hard i feel like for actors to play like they're drunk um Mm. i think van damme is a good example of that in kickboxer (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah ronnie blakely as marge thompson in this does a pretty rough job too yeah i i can see that so yeah she was rough i thought john saxon was really good because i just like john saxon the the dad yeah well the um talking about the kills real quick um because i know we talked about a little bit um and this kind of feeds into the the ending of the movie a little bit kind of not deliberately going there but um the mom's death slash not death thing was super weird and i know we already talked about how um I've only seen this once, and so some of it's confusing to me, so maybe you understand it better, um, or maybe I'm just a noob, whatever. Go ahead, call me that. Um, no, the ending is one of the biggest flaws of this movie, but continue. <laughs> yeah, like, well, because she died, and then they transition to her back with her mom and it's bright and sunshiny out like and, and this goes back to what i already said it, i mean technically at some certain point in time like she could have started sleeping and for all we know she could have been sleeping this whole thing oh man how horrible that would have been for an ending yeah so uh, i kind of question on how much was that yeah uh, like Johnny Depp's character, uh, Glenn, like uh, at one point in time, I was kind of thinking like, well, did he really die or was that just part of the sleeping? I'm pretty convinced that he died and all that. But yeah, like, uh, like you even alluded to the, the end. I don't really know what to say about the end. Yeah, it's a hodgepodge and it's kind of stitched together, which I've got something more about that in trivia and facts. So I guess I could just jump right into those if you don't have anything else. <laughs> Yeah, go for it. (laughs) Okay, so I'll start with the ending one here first. Uh, So in the original script, the movie had a happy ending. Um, Nancy kills Freddy by ceasing to believe in him and then awakens to discover that everything that happened in the movie was just an elongated nightmare. Oh, thank you for not doing that. She then says goodbye to her mom and drives to school with her friends. However, um, Robert Shea, who was um, the producer for this, wanted a twist ending that would leave it open for sequels. He suggested fooling the audience into thinking Freddie was dead, only to reveal in the final scene itself that it's actually a nightmare. And at the end of the film, Freddie was driving the car away from the house with the kids screaming. Uh, Wes, Craze, yeah, Wes Craven hated the idea. Um, and then ultimately four endings were filmed. 
uh, Craven's happy ending, Shay's Freddy ending, and two versions of a compromise ending Craven and Shay had reached, in which Nancy's mother is pulled back into the house, but the audience is left slightly ambiguous to what is going on. Um, Craven has always maintained that the film should have had the happy ending that he originally wrote. Mm, no. Yeah. No. I, I, I have a hard time with the happy ending. Um... I kind of just like the ending of Freddy's driving a car. Yeah. To leave it open for a sequel. Yeah. Well, like the whole thing about like bringing the mom back, I think was one of the more confusing things. Yeah. Cause like they, they basically were trying to convince you and have you be like, okay, reality is Nancy's mom and Lieutenant Thompson's wife was killed by Freddy, which actually makes sense because Freddy mm-hmm. had should have kind of had a vendetta against her because of her involvement and everything, blah, 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 whatever. But then well, all... the way it should have ended is that, you know, her skeleton or whatever goes into the bed. Then it's that's it. Freddy's dead. He's gone. And then just have like Nancy like fall to the floor and cry and then just have it go to black from there or something. Yeah. Like and like her dad rushes in and like consoles her, and they, you know, they could even do like a, um, like a zoom out of the house or something like Halloween instead of you know how at the end of Halloween where they had Michael breathing faintly in the background, mm-hmm. they could have just had like the little girls with the jump rope singing the Freddy Krueger song or something and end it like that. Or they could have ended with "I shot him six times." No, um, but yeah, you don't I, know what death is. <laughs> you don't know what a nightmare is. Um, yeah, I I really don't know. But the fact that they brought her mom back just just like totally uh, threw me off, and I, I think I was focusing more on that than what wound up happening with them in the car and everything which a little bit of credit to him the whole fact of the whole like freddy krueger coloring of the topper yeah uh that went down it's just like okay a little credit there that that was kind of like a a nice little touch but all in all i think we're on the same page where it's just like it was it was clunky yeah at best yeah yeah the mom's like i'm back and i'm not on the liquor anymore (laughs) I'm good to go. Um, so other trivia here. New Line Cinema was saved from bankruptcy by the success of this film and was jokingly nicknamed the house that Freddie built. Hmm. Uh, so Heather Langenkamp's boyfriend at the time of the shooting is credited for creating the Freddie nursery rhyme that the oh. little girls of the jump rope sing. And that continues through the entire series. Nice. So props to him. Uh, I bet he probably didn't get uh, what, <laughs> didn't get crap for it. Or, Pat on the back. <laughs> yeah, he probably got a little something up front, and then he should have marched it marked it down. Where every time you use it, you give me a dollar or something. <laughs> right. Uh, so all the boiler room footage, um, in the movie was shot in the basement of the Lincoln Heights Jail in Los Angeles, which was condemned shortly after production wrapped due to high levels of asbestos. Oh, lovely. Yeah. So Wes Craven first came up with the idea uh, for the movie from a series of articles in the LA Times 
over a three-year period about a group of Southeast Asian refugees, um, several of whom died in the throes of a horrific nightmares. Uh, the group had come to the U.S. to escape the murderous reign of Pol Pot. Uh, within a year of arriving, three men died, all in similar situations. The young, otherwise healthy man would have a nightmare, then refuse to sleep for as long as he could. Um, when he finally fell asleep from exhaustion, he awoke screaming and then died. Uh, the autopsy results revealed that he did not died from heart failure, but just simply died. Uh, it was this inability to find out the cause of death that intrigued Craven so much. Medical authorities have since called the phenomenon Asian death syndrome, a variant of sudden unexpected death syndrome, and Brugada syndrome. Hmm. Yeah, and I heard too that when that last refugee died, they looked in his closet and he had like, um, a coffee pot, like in his closet. That oh. he would just like chain drink coffee basically to stay awake because he was so afraid to go to sleep. Weird. That would suck to be afraid to go to sleep. Yeah, pretty scary. Uh, so the scene where Freddy's arms elongate uh, were achieved by having men with fishing poles on each side of the alley operating a set of puppet arms attached to Robert England. Which nice. I always thought that scene was a little goofy. <laughs> yeah, it was It was a little goofy. Like, there was a little bit of, um, like, I, I, I get it. I get the terror with it. But at the same time, it was, uh, well, I mean, that's what you get with the uh, practical effects, so. Yeah. So in the original script, uh, Freddy was actually a child molester. However, the decision was made to change him into a, just a child murderer to avoid accusations of exploiting a series of child molestations in California around the time of production. Uh, he was rewritten as a child molester in a 2010 remake starring Jackie Earl Haley as Freddy Krueger. And... I almost feel like I have to repeat that because there's so many people that always say that Chetty, Freddy was a child molester. I was like, no, he wasn't. <laughs> that was the original script and it was rewritten and he wasn't in the first movie. Well, I mean, child murder still pretty bad. So. Yeah, it's bad enough. Like, And then well, we'll get to that remake, believe me, and I'll have lots of things to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, people just like, oh, that's what he was originally. No, that was a choice in the remake to go back to that uh so heather langenkamp beat over 200 actresses for the role of nancy thompson among them are jennifer gray demi moore courtney cox tracy gold and claudia wells hmm. demi moore yeah pops up in a lot of stuff we talk about uh so charlie sheen john cusack brad pitt Kiefer Sutherland, Nicolas Cage, and C. Thomas Howell were all considered for the role of Glenn. Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Brad Pitt was actually in a slasher movie. Yeah. A few years later, it was called Cutting Class. And it's really not that great. But it's got Jill Sholin in it. She's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, so the original glove of Freddy was later used in A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, which we'll be talking about next. Um, was also seen hanging on the wall of the woodshed 
in um, Evil Dead 2. Uh, this was a response to the use of Evil Dead 1 on the television screen in Nightmare on Elm Street uh, and a part of the continued banter between directors Wes Craven and Sam Raimi. Uh, however, when Craven loaned the glove to the um, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors set, uh, it got lost, and it was rumored to be in possession of Robert England's agent. Hmm. So, yeah. Uh, one of the main reasons that Johnny Depp was chosen was because Wes Craven's daughter thought that he was, quote, dreamy and threatened to run away from home if he wasn't cast in the movie. Uh, so the film cost roughly $1.8 million to produce. Um, of which only 57000 was reserved for the ambitious special effects. Uh, the effects designer Jim Doyle accepted anyway because he was desperate for work. The movie made its entire budget back in the opening weekend. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty impressive what they were able to do with $57,000 for effects. Yeah. Uh, so Wes Craven's original concept for Freddy was considerably more gruesome with teeth th showing through the flesh up over the jaw uh, pus running from the sores and a part of the skull showing from his head uh, makeup artist David B. Miller argued that the actor couldn't convincingly be made up that way and a puppet would have to be would be hard to film and wouldn't blend well um, with the live actors so these ideas were eventually abandoned hmm. the makeup though did take three hours to get on Robert England every day Oof. Yeah. Uh, Amanda Weiss uh, was handing out candy at her mom's house on Halloween following the film's release and was surprised to see so many trick-or-treaters dressed as Freddy. Uh, she eventually told one of them that she played Tina in the movie, but no one believed her. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, this girl handed out candy. Shut up, woman. <laughs> Shut up, Meg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in the original script... Um, Freddie's famous red and green sweater was actually red and yellow. Um, based on the colors worn by Plastic Man, who, like Freddie, could change his form. Um, the idea is whatever Freddie changed into would be red and yellow. However, Wes Craven read an article in Scientific American in 82 that said the two most contrasting colors for the human retina were red and green, and he decided to alter the colors. Hmm. Uh, so the words Elm Street are actually never spoken at all during the movie. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so Freddy Krueger has less than seven minutes of total screen time in this. That's interesting, too. That's a lot like Jaws. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so over 500 gallons of fake blood were used during the filming. And yeah, I bet you a lot of it went towards Johnny Depp's death. <laughs> right. Um, and then the last thing I got is this movie had a $1.8 million budget and it made 25.6 in the box box office. 1.8 and 25.6, did you say? Yep. Fuck. And now grades. Um, IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, what are they? IMDb 6.1. It is a 7.4. Oh, holy crap. I was way off. Yeah. Um, Ron Tomato Critic, let's go with uh, 82%. 95. Holy crap. 
Yeah. Wow. What was the last 95 we had? I don't even know. The last 90%, 92% was the original Rocky. What? Come on. <laughs> Come on. I think it's just because the idea is so original. Okay. The script is so original. All right, that's come on, come on. Okay, what? <laughs> At least the Godfather beat this thing out. Yeah. So did freaking ET apparently. Um. Rotten Tomato audience, uh, ninety-two percent, eighty-four. Oh, jeez. I'm kind of shocked that the audience is lower than the critic. Yeah, that doesn't uh, happen too much. Uh, so I guess I'll go first. Um, this is one of my favorite movies. I've seen it countless times. I've owned it on probably every platform I can think of. <laughs> like I had it on VHS, I had it on DVD. Um, I guess I didn't have it on Blu-ray, so there's that. I have it on Laserdisc, <laughs> so that was what I watched it on this time. Um, and. Usually around Halloween, I, w- I always end up watching this movie uh, because my wife actually enjoys this one. So I'll be like, you want to watch a scary movie? She's like, yeah, let's watch um, Nightmare on Elm Street. And it's always like, this- Jody likes the first one. <laughs> so we've seen this one a whole bunch of times. But uh, good cast, great acting um, from Robert England and some pretty solid acting from John Saxon. Um, just iconic movie. And it really brought like the slasher movie back. Because we had the whole slasher boom starting off with Halloween. Then a bunch of Halloween ripoffs came out. And um, Friday 13th took it to a new level. Got the, the subgenre like super popular. And then by the time like 1983 came around, like the slasher movie was starting to die off a little bit because there was so many like Friday 13th and Halloween ripoffs mm. where Nightmare on Elm Street added a different like supernatural element to it. And just brought the whole genre back again. So, um, yeah, like I said, iconic movie. So I had to give it a five out of five. There wasn't really anything less I could give this movie. Uh, What about you? Well, I have no idea what to expect uh, moving forward from here. So I'm kind of basing this off of this movie alone. Uh, I do know that from the brief things that you've said that there is quite a bit of downhill uh to expect with some of the ones coming up but um i i i'm definitely gonna have to go with what you even said that the critics may have been looking at where just the originality of this film and that was probably one of the biggest things for me i, I mean i know that i knew the premise well before i watched this movie uh even though this was a first time watch for me i'm familiar with the idea the concept i don't know the all the details i mean i knew he was a child murderer i didn't know the background of the child rapist and that whole back and forth kind of thing through the series but i mean uh originality and honestly like for how much they're uh, i'll still go back to the beginning was intense like they just slap you in the face right away with how intense this movie is going to be and then they draw it out a little bit but um they get really creative with it. The practical effects, uh, while some of it was maybe a little bit clunky, uh, really enjoyable. Um, they, it's just really, 
even though there's some confusion on what might be a dream and what not, might not be a dream, I can't really take away from the movie for some of those small shortcomings. It's not glaringly bad where you're just like, oh, this changes this movie. It's not as good as it could have been. Um, like basically for this movie to be better, I feel like you'd be asking for perfection practically. Yeah. So I am more than uh, good with giving this a five out of five as well. So uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see how it goes moving forward. Uh, This is usually how it goes with all the series, just because like, I don't know what the lowest low is going to be. Don't give me any hints. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the next, uh, the next ones are going to be interesting, but it seems like with most of these, uh, we especially saw with Halloween, you know, the first one, was easily one if not the best i can't remember all of the friday the 13th um because it varied so much in that one so i might have to kind of go back and look but yeah usually they start off really strong and then it's kind of like you said a roller coaster so yeah i will say that typically this one and one of the others in this series um, ends up being people's favorite of the entire series. So that's either one of those two. I won't tell you what the other one is. I'll let you be surprised by it. Freddy um, versus Jason? No. just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Are we going to cover that this time? Because we already covered it with Friday 13th. Uh, we didn't plan. I, I think we'll put that as like a bonus thing. Like if time allows for it, we'll do it yeah. and we'll put it in order. But if not, I mean, you guys can go back and listen to Freddy vs. Jason and the other ones. Yeah. So. Rock. Well, we got an interesting installment uh, coming up next time. And we're going to be talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Um, kind of a somewhat controversial movie. Um one of the few slash movies that has a final boy in it instead of a final girl. Um, and there's a lot of interesting undertones to that movie. Uh, I don't really want you to do any research on it. I want you to go in blindly and see if you can figure out what was going on with it. <laughs> um, I, but... I typically, I typically do. I typically try not to get prepared in any way for the movies just to get the initial reactions. Yeah. I'll tell you that the second one's probably been analyzed more than any other movie in a series. Interesting. So just because of the undertones to it. But we'll talk about that next time. But until then, as always, be kind and rewind.